Welcome to Next in Nonprofits. I'm Steve Boland, and I am very pleased to welcome today Ariel Zapia, the CEO and founder of Project Y. Ariel, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I was thrilled to have you reach out to share a little bit of the story about what you're doing. But before we get into some specific questions I have about story and mission and nonprofits and helping people, um, I think most people would like to know a little bit more about the charity that you're working with. What is Project Y? Yeah, of course. So Project Y is a nonprofit organization that provides individuals experiencing homelessness with a platform to truly use their voices and share their stories. And what this means is that I interview our unhoused neighbors ethnographically, so with very open-ended questions to allow them to share their stories in whatever way that they would like. And I then write their stories and upload them to Project Y's website, projecty.biz, where their stories educate society about homelessness and also spread awareness about the cause of homelessness from a completely different and more personal perspective compared to a lot of other ways to spread awareness about homelessness, such as through just statistics like 20% of individuals experiencing homelessness come from here or 30% come from here and things like that. So I want to ask why you started this work in particular, but let me put it in the context of other organizations that are um, providing help and and services in the space for people that don't have permanent housing. Um, When you think about what they're doing versus what you've decided to do, uh, how did you think about creating this more story-oriented aspect of things versus why aren't we out trying to build more housing or serve some meals or do something that's a little bit more traditional? Yeah, I think that, of course, all of those things are extremely important. And if we didn't have those organizations, it would be really difficult to do something like what Project Y does. But what I saw was that there was almost a gap in that there were people who were, of course, really willing to help in terms of providing things like shelter and necessities like that. But the the aspect of a social connection was really missing. Um, and the importance of that is is incredible because without those sort of social connections and without creating connections between these people who a lot of people will never know somebody who experiences homelessness just depending on where they are in life or where they live and things like that. So if they don't have that connection, then it's impossible to be able to really empathize with people. There are some people who may work in the field that, you know, they might be working in an environmental issue, but they understand it because they're coming from a different point of view. But for the rest of society, it can be very difficult, especially with the rise in homeless populations across the country, because people have began to really normalize it almost Hmm. to a point of where people just assume that there's nothing else that we can do. And I think that's because they don't truly understand where these people are coming from. And I think that's exactly where I was before Project Y was started as well. I wanted to gain uh, a better understanding of why this is happening. So my main goal is to, one, of course, provide our unhoused neighbors with a platform to share their stories. Because I think feeling heard is so important and especially in a society that is so focused on money and things like that and having a house and having these nice things, it can be very hard to take a step back and to say, okay, who are you? Why are you here? What's going on? You know, we're here to listen and we're here to help, but then also to be able to create a space 
for our community to truly understand people through their stories, through their quotes. If, if anyone goes on Project Wise website, you can see that I try to implement as many quotes as possible into the stories because I want it to be coming from that person to, to the best degree so that people can truly understand their story from their perspective and see that, you know, it's not only one thing. There's not one cause and there's not you know, five causes that come all together. It's a plethora of different things and the combination of different situations that lead to an experience that so many different people experience. Yeah. So uh, I think we should mention that Project Y is an acronym, that WHY actually stands for something. You want to talk about the decision for um, how you came up with the name to reflect this mission? Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for bringing that up. So Project Y, of course, on its own is Project and then Y, which represents the part of Project Y, which is sharing the stories of why these people are here and kind of touching on the part of it where it's about spreading awareness and educating. But also the Y stands for We Hear You, which is then directed at our unhoused neighbors to let them know that we hear them. Of course, Project Y hears them, but then also the community hears them and that it's a place for them to share their stories and educate themselves. A lot of the times people go on my website, they read their story and see other people's stories and communicate to me like, wow, like that was really incredible. And it makes them feel like they're not alone. But then also the fact that we're showing people why these people are here from their perspectives. So knowing that, that the we hear you is a really important angle and been part of this as you decided to get into this work, uh, you'll see this on the website for people that go and we'll have a link to the website in the show notes to Project Biz, so you can just click through while you're listening to see that information. Uh, but your story of deciding to take this work on is a little unusual in a different way that you're uh, a younger person. Not everybody starts working in charities before they've graduated from high school. Um, yeah. How do you talk about the decision to begin spending your time doing this work uh, as a young person who is not yet able to incorporate a business on their own, for example? Yeah, so really my main reason for starting it was that when I was younger, I actually had a very large fear of individuals experiencing homelessness. Oh, sure. Because okay. especially in Los Angeles, which is where I'm from, a lot of people are mentally unstable and it can be very jarring, you know, for a four, five, six year old girl to see that. So that's really where it came from. And that was something that I struggled with, you know, being able to start going outside and seeing that it's okay. So I think that kind of made me realize that, okay, but these people are just people. Um, first of all, not all of our unhoused neighbors are on the streets, but also there is a reason why every single person is here. So I think really it started from just me being like, okay, this is not just something that randomly happens. These are real people with real stories and unique experiences. And I thought that that was something that was really important that needed to be highlighted that a lot of the time you can't really find on the internet. Some shelters will have their own stories from the people going there, but a lot of times they're not shared. For example, a lot of the people that I've started to work with would be like, oh yeah, we do, you know, kind of talk to the different people using our resources, but we've never thought to share that with other people. So that was my main reason for starting it. It was coming from a place of a fear and anxiety from when I was younger and trying to 
kind of turn that over in a way to educate myself, educate the people around me, and then overall educate the overall community. And then in terms of the incorporation, um, Project Light is actually incorporated as a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Um, so I think that's been really helpful too in being able to work with other people and for me to be able to try and help as many people as possible because that's really you know the overall goal of project Y to help all communities whether they're housed or unhoused because of course having a house does not make you any less of a person or make any of your experiences any less right so i think as i'm hearing you talk about this you know you did not have that we hear you experience yourself you didn't hear these folks early on in yeah. your life so you needed that opportunity to hear them but as we talk about the greater impact on the nonprofit community of that um, thought or that ethos that you're bringing to this conversation of uh, wanting to make sure that those voices get uh, translated directly to uh, a broader group of people than just service providers, for example, or social service providers or something like that. Um, there's, there's a couple of things about that that are um, challenging for many charities to um, think through how they do things differently, how they become th that next phase of what they're going to do. Um, one of which is that fine line between a um, sense of uh, um, dignity and privacy for the persons that are involved in that charitable mission uh, and not feeling like they're being exploited for uh, fundraising or, you know, uh, trying to, to drum up more support for the charity or whatever. So as, as you think mm -hmm. about telling stories and giving people that opportunity to be heard uh, by folks that don't run into them, that don't see them every day in the street, that don't run across them at the bus stop or whatever. Um, how did you think through that little part of the, of the, the, the work of making it available, but not feeling like you're somehow taking advantage of people's stories for some other purpose? So that's a great question. And I think that's really important. Um, the way that I really did it is I started Project Y this past summer. So that's when I had a lot of time to be able to sort of go out, research other organizations, and then present in front of people. I did not only just let the organizations know about my work, but I really wanted to connect with the individuals experiencing homelessness at those different organizations. So I personally went there and spoke to people before they told me their stories and before I even knew who would tell me their stories to just tell them, hey, this is who I am. You know, I was 14 at the time. I'm now 15, you know, and I kind of just almost became friends with them. And I explained one and one of the most important parts that I always try to communicate with people is that these stories are as anonymous as they would like. So if you go on my website, there are some stories where you'll see the picture of the person with their first name and their last initial and there'll be social media down there. And that's people who have allowed me to do that and who will share a photo with me that they are okay with sharing. But then there are other people who, you know, the first line of the story will be like, hey, this isn't a completely anonymous name because not everyone is completely comfortable with that. And then there's everything in the middle. So that is one of my biggest priorities. I want people to know that this is, should be comfortable, it should be enjoyable and a positive experience. So I think in terms of privacy, I, I let everybody choose however one, they want to share their stories, and they're not obligated to share any information that they're not interested in, but then also that it can be as anonymous as possible. Um, and in terms of letting people know that this is not just some big organization that, you know, is sharing their information, 
I just tell people that. Um, that was definitely something that I thought of right away. And I told them, I'm currently the only person that will ever handle your story. So until it's accepted, until everything is written with your quotes and everything like that, I will be the only person that ever sees the you know Zoom because I do a lot of things by Zoom now and I record the meetings so that I can later go and write them. I'm the only person who will ever see that. I'm the only person who will ever see the recording. And I always ask people, you know, especially if it's more sensitive information, if, you know, are you comfortable with just sharing that with me to get, you know, some more background or are you okay with that being in the story? So I think my my way of doing it is being as transparent as possible and letting people know exactly what I'm doing, what Project Y is doing, you know, and their role in all of it. I think what's a little different about how I'm hearing you talk about your work, where other charities may talk about the importance of story in the delivery of some other type of service. We do literacy meetings, we do, you know, um, pet adoption, you know, and then we tell stories so that people understand the the other thing we do. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, your work is much more around centering the person that's uh, telling their story uh, rather than it supports this narrative of how we are successful in our other service delivery thing of whatever that might be. And I, I think we hear a lot in the nonprofit sector about the importance of story, of making a narrative piece rather than a, you know, a, a chart or a database or something along those lines, which has their place. Those things are, are important and we don't want to skip over them. But I, I do think that as we talk about connecting with community in the future, um, centering the subject of the story rather than the nonprofit that's delivering the service and how they deliver the service is a little different for what I hear you talking about. Is that a fair understanding? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think that for me, my goal is more to, of course, spread awareness about the stories rather than necessarily, here's Project Y, here's Project Y, um, because that is the entire mission of Project Y. So I think for a lot of different charities, they all have a different mission and a different purpose. And a lot of times it can be harder, you know, if you're a shelter to be able to raise funds for your shelter, because in order to have that shelter, you're going to need to fundraise and bring people in and support. But I think for me, I really just need to use my time. So I, my goal is I just spread awareness about the stories. I, I try and share stories with as many people as possible. I'm very active on Project Y social media. So I think it's just a difference in Project Y's mission is very specific to sharing stories and spreading awareness that that's really my main focus um, all the time rather than trying to get more attention necessarily to the main Project Y or to the overall organization. So that raises a different question for me as I think about your work. When we talk about how you measure what success looks like, that um, capturing a story is an important first step in that. But if the goal is for more people to read and understand the stories of people that you're talking to, how do you think about what that means? I mean, in terms of what's a successful, we did better this week than we did three months ago or something along those lines, when it's something uh, more along the lines of sharing stories rather than, you know, we served X number of meals or we built X number of housing units. It's a little different to think about um, how do you define what is success in that space? Yeah, so I think success to me uh, comes from a few different things and a few different people. So I think 
First, it's being able to see the positive effects of Project Wise Mission on the unhoused neighbors that I've talked to. I think it's so incredible when people that I've interviewed tell me about how happy it's made them or, you know, are just so happy to see me and ask me how I am and ask how Project Y is going and, and tell me that they read the stories, you know, not only their stories, but other stories that are coming and things like that. So I think hearing positive things from people I've worked with and tried to help is so important to me because that tells me that I'm I'm being able to help, you know, the people that I'm trying to help and the people that I've, you know, really taken my time to to learn about and to educate myself about in order to help them. But then also I think seeing the people around me, you know, my friends, family, anyone I've worked with or or just seen and talked to about this tell me that it has changed their perspectives. Because of course, um, you know, I can go on my website and see the amount of people that are going on and reading stories, which I think is incredible, but also being able to hear, you know, tangible feedback of people saying that, wow, you know, I didn't know that this was possible. I didn't know that this person would be able to experience homelessness, or I didn't know that there were so many different causes. I think that really makes me realize like, yes, exactly. This is exactly what I'm trying to do. My whole point is for people, you know, to be able to learn and educate themselves. So I think those two aspects, just like the two aspects of Project Y, you know, being able to help and seeing that I'm helping and I'm making a positive impact, but then also being able to educate and spread awareness and see that that's working and see that that's changing people's perspectives. Because if, if they just read the stories and think the same things it, it's of course not making as much of a difference as if they can read stories and, and truly understand that it's a completely different thing than what all the stereotypes say and you know what the different stigmas are do you think that the service providers in the area are trying to connect to that part of the work too or are they like more completely separate from that i i just feel like there's uh, a part of how you're talking about this that um, there's there's a connection in there somewhere, and I'm not sure that I on the outside just just yet understand how we do the stories and the services that you know bring a broader community into this space. So, do you mean with like Project Y and then people I've worked with, or nonprofits as a whole? No, I mean like different nonprofits connecting to the work of Project Y, uh, folks that are not necessarily just committed to story that might be doing other pieces. How do they interact with what you're doing? How do they hear about it? How do you connect with them? Okay, I see. So in terms of connecting and, and having people continue to see Project Y stories, again, I'm very active on Project Y social media. So a lot of times they will, you know, follow me on their their organizations and that will spread awareness through the organizations but also um people can go on project wise website and sign up so i encourage people to do that all the time because there's no spam emails it's just so that they can get you know information about project wise stories notifications when new things come up but then in terms of um you know me communicating with them and how working with project Y and kind of being able to partner has affected them i think i've I've heard a lot of things, just how I mentioned of, you know, people telling me that it's changed their perspectives. A lot of different people working in the industry have said that it's one helped tremendously with their participants, you know, and they'll report back to me that like, wow, she was so much happier. He was so much happier. Um, but also just being able to say, oh, yeah, you know, I talked to my coworkers and they really enjoyed it. And so I think 
those are sort of the two ways. A lot of times they're, they're very happy about it and very thankful. I think that an organization like this has come out. So I think that's more on the personal level of, you know, me just speaking to different individuals, but then in terms of organizations as a whole, um, that social media aspect is huge because I've, I've had a lot of people from organizations that I've never met, never talked to just because they might be working in a different aspect of it that will then follow project by stuff and, and, be very involved but then also that newsletter um where people always are joining on to to see every single story that comes up um that's very important as well so you know as you continue to uh, learn more about this and do this work for a little bit longer do you have pieces of it that you go this this is where i think it goes to next that's different or is it just that you just need more time to talk to more people is it just more of what you've been doing I think really that my main mission and main goal is to be able to, yes, just like you said, talk to as many people as possible, because I think the more stories that are out there, the better people can make more connections. And I think that also allows me to, you know, go, okay, um, this is a trend or, or wow, like I would never think that this would be so common. So I think that's definitely the main goal. Um, but I do have another aspect of Project Y that I'm working on that will be announced closer to the summer, um, the one year anniversary of Project Y, which will connect the experts in the field of homelessness and mental health and things like that to the individual stories. So I know I can't go too much into that right now, but overall project Y will still be focused on me talking to different people and getting stories and things like that, because I think that's so important. But then that other aspect that will be coming in shortly will have people be able to educate themselves, not only through personal stories, but also from the knowledge of experts in the field that have been working there for 20, 30 years. Unlike myself, who I think I've become very knowledgeable in what I'm doing, but I, of course, have nowhere near the experience of people who have gone through college to study this, study this and, and worked through so many different organizations. So I think that will be very beneficial once that comes out as well. I mean, I, I, I asked about metrics about how you measure success a little while ago, because I think one of the challenges that a lot of other charities are thinking about in context of story and how they connect the actual individual impact of, you know, how people got to where they are, what they're doing, how they see themselves, all those questions uh, to record that, to talk about it, to publish it is one thing, but then to know how are people actually seeing it? I mean, how do we uh, think through that, you know, this got in front of somebody who wasn't necessarily looking for it. I think that's a, ch a challenge that so many charities face where they feel like what we're doing is extremely important. And when people hear about it, they feel you know, motivated to do something and to change behaviors and to, you know, do, do all kinds of good things, but we've got to get them to actually hear about it. And there, there's such a competition for that attention. How do you think about getting the stories in front of people that aren't looking for them yet, that aren't, you know, seeking out your website that aren't connected to you yet? How do you encourage somebody to find you for the first time? I think honestly, a big part of something that I'm going to get into soon, it's hard, you know, with school, but Google ads has a big thing for nonprofits where they, mm -hmm. they really support nonprofits. And I think that will be very helpful. I know that's a little bit more, um, you know, on just the, the business side of just, I need to get some ads out here to spread awareness, but that's really, I think what 
will help a lot. Project-wise, TikTok also, um, it's not like anything has gone viral, but I get a lot, a lot of new people coming on there. So I think that's a big thing. But I think definitely once I get into the Google ads and once I start doing a campaign, um, which which is quite a big process, but that I think will bring a lot more attention to it. Because of course, my friends, my family, you know, the people that they work with, the people that they know, all of them know about it. But I 100% agree that it can be very difficult to get things out there, especially when everything is so saturated. Like, there are 10,000 businesses that are in the clothing industry, 10,000 nonprofits, like, there's a lot that's so saturated right now that it can be really difficult. But I think I'm I'm lucky in the sense of ha- being able to do that Google Ads um, work and being able to find that because I think that will be very helpful. And then also the TikTok. I think a lot of people are very supportive of it. And I've had people that I would have never even known um, be interested that comment and they're like, wow, this is so amazing. And they they really get involved as well. Yeah. No, I hear you. I think one of the challenges that so many um, charities have felt about tools like the Google AdWords, and we do have a a podcast episode about using that tool and how to take advantage of it. I'll try to remember to link that uh, to the show notes too, for people that aren't aware of that donation program, but it does rely on search. Uh, It relies on somebody deciding that they want to learn more about people that don't have permanent shelter and what's going on. And I think one of the challenges that so many people are having with this idea of connecting to story is um, interrupting somebody that isn't thinking about um, searching for their information and uh, all the rest. Uh, and that's a, a challenge in so many fields. It's not just about um, unhoused people or, or other spaces. It's just a, a bigger nonprofit community services issue. And thinking of how do we get those people to find the time, the energy, the space to search for this, to find us in the first place or to get in front of them. Um, it's it's challenging for everyone. You know, fo- folks that have been doing the work for a long time, folks that are newer to it, we all kind of struggle with that um, part of how we try to connect to community when you've got good stories and good folks to talk to and all the rest of it. Um, it's a, a, a conundrum for sure, but it's just one that's always interesting to me to talk about with folks that are newer in the sector that are using tools like TikTok um, to reach audiences in different ways as that becomes more of a platform for how people are spending time anyway. Um, mm-hmm. The that particular algorithm getting seen in those spaces, I'm not as familiar with. So I don't really understand as much about how that part of it works. And I don't know if you've do you get decent reports on like in TikTok where we're getting recommended more to people that aren't yet following us? Is is that something you get to see? Um, really, I think right now, like maybe if I, you know, became viral and it was something I think TikTok is definitely focused on very large creators, but you can see, oh, this came from the for you page, which means that mm-hmm. it's nobody following you. This came from people following you or from like a direct link, meaning you put it on your Instagram page and they clicked on that link. So usually sure. direct link is people who know you following would be anyone following you. And then for you is anyone who sees it. Um, but I think what's really important about TikTok is being able to post regularly. Um, and also, I think why it's so important, even if there aren't, you know, 20,000 people seeing it, is that the demographic of TikTok is usually a lot of younger people. And I mm-hmm. think there are a lot of people on there 
who, you know, start movements and who are really involved, especially, you know, my generation, Generation Z, there are a lot of people who I think are much more motivated to be involved. So I think that, just like you said, it's very difficult to find people who are actively going to search on Google, um, you know, homeless nonprofit that share stories like that is very difficult. Um, but I think being able to connect with people who may not have a direct interest in homelessness issues at the moment, but just a want to be able to make a difference and to educate themselves is super important and, and really helpful in spreading awareness. Yeah. So as you continue to build a library of stories from your community, um, do you think about expanding into other places and seeing about other people collecting stories? If you've been doing most of it yourself, uh, how do you see that part of the of the work carrying forward? Yeah, so I've been doing it. I've been doing most of it myself. And I think it would definitely be great if I got other people to come in. But I think that's very difficult for this particular work because, like you said and mentioned earlier, like the privacy issues are huge. And I think since I've been really into it and educating myself on it, I have learned how to navigate that. But a 15-year-old trying to teach people, you know, probably older than me who would want to work in this could be really hard. And also, I think right now it would just be very difficult to be able to see, okay, you know, did this person want to be anonymous? Did you, you know, try to lead them into sharing too much too quickly? Like really making sure that everything is being done in the most comfortable manner, I think is really difficult right now. So definitely in the future, once I'm able to have a little bit more independence and once I'm in school and learning more things and and meeting more people who are interested in this, I would love to be able to expand because I think that that's the best way to be able to one, get more people to be interested in this, but also to get more stories, to not have me be the one contacting hundreds of different organizations, but to be able to kind of split that up between people. I think, yeah, that's something that I think would be great. But just for right now, I don't want to have to put that huge responsibility um, on myself and on Project Y, because I want to ensure that I'm you know, providing the best possible services and creating a truly comfortable and positive space. So I think that's very difficult to do, you know, one, to be able to, you know, manage this, this entire organization, but then also to try and manage other people while in high school and while applying to college and things like that. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a, a pressure with a lot of charities as they think about growing their work, going into paid staff versus volunteers and how that changes the nature of what they're doing to try and then fundraise and uh, do all of the things to pay all of the costs of a charity. It sounds like um, you're a volunteer based effort so far. Is that uh, is that correct? Yes. And okay. even I do not take any profit. So 100 percent of any donations we get goes to the cause so you know buying supplies things like that so nothing is is given to me so uh, i mean which has got its own positive good things about it but it also means you're kind of limited to what you can do as one person yeah i think that's one of the the benefits of a vibrant charitable sector is that some people can just be a volunteer driven effort and they don't have to have huge paid staffs and all the rest of it, and they can get done the work that they get done. And I think part of the strategy question is just always about, you know, if we're going to be investing this time and energy into connecting stories to uh, a broader community, uh, 
with one person who's in school and doesn't have as much you know time to just do this 80 hours a week there's just limits that come from that yeah. and it's okay to accept that if that's just where the organization is uh, it's okay to be different from that too i mean there are certainly plenty of nonprofits that do decide they need to raise some money and pay people to have more than one person available on that where some people want to think about hiring staff and becoming bigger that way that's one way of approaching uh, a nonprofit mission but this variety of nonprofit missions out there where some of them are volunteer driven um, just means that when you have a, a volunteer who's also going to school and doing other things then you get done the amount of work you can get done in that space and that's okay uh, but I do think it's good to understand where do you see the work going in the future? Does it just at some point wrap as you you know, transition, you go to college, you do something else um, that that can just close and be the benefit that it was at the time, or it gets handed off to somebody else. And this may be too early to know that, but have you had any conversations about, you know, what happens with the future of the work? Yeah, definitely. I've I've thought about this because, of course, I want to be able to give back as much as possible, but I also need to put it into perspective, you know, where I am in my life right now. Um, and I do plan on continuing this throughout college. And I think after that, there I'll probably have a lot more knowledge on it. That's, you know, in, in quite a bit of time that I'm going to be graduated, you know, and and into my career. So I think then if I am still interested in continuing this, I will be able to bring more people in. I will be able to one, have a lot more connections and have a larger network of people than I do right now. Um, but then also be able to bring people in and hopefully, you know, either make Project Y bigger or to be able to kind of be like, okay, I, you know, now have this other career path. So I might not be 100% able to be in this, but now I have a team so that we can continue working on this. But that's just sort of my general outlined plan right now. I think really I'm going to see where it goes and I'm trying to expand Project Y right now, just in terms of location. I'm, you know, working with people all over the nation to, you know, partner, whether it's to get more interviewees or just talk about Project Y. So I think strengthening those partnerships as well will help me continue to grow and work with Project Y. So as folks listening to this podcast are generally people working in nonprofits, uh, their boards of directors, members, their staff members, their folks that are already kind of committed to the sector. Uh, what advice do you have as somebody that's newer coming to this work for people that have been around for a little while that maybe haven't thought with a fresh set of eyes about the work that they're doing? How do you um, suggest or, or provide some insight to people that are um, maybe doing things in a different model? I think what's really important is being open-minded, which I think is something mm -hmm. that everybody, you know, automatically, okay, open-minded, open-minded. And everyone's like, oh, I am open-minded, which I think <laughs> I, we all think that. I, I really do think that's important because even for me, um, sometimes I, you know, have my way that I want to do it and this is how I want to do it. And that's how I think I'm going to do it. But I think it's so important to listen to podcasts like these and talk to other people and even just see what's going on right now, um, no matter what sector you're in, to be able to get some more ideas into how to do it and into how to modernize a business. I think that's very, very important. Um, and then in terms of, you know, more 
of what Project Y is doing in terms of the, you know, creating those personal connections. I think that's extremely important in no matter what industry or sector of work you're in. You know, if you're working in an environmental company, being able to strengthen your social media and things like that. I think that's very important because I've seen a lot of companies that even I've worked with that they don't really have any sort of social media. They have a website, but again, to get to a website that takes, you know, that search and to be able to know what that company already is. So I think social media is so, so important. Um, Of course, I'm 15. So my demographic is a little bit different than if you're trying to reach people who are um, older, like in their 50s and things like that. But I think if you're wanting to get new support and people who are really going to be motivated to help and and bringing that next generation into good causes, social media is, is the top way to do it. If you're not sharing stories, which of course is a very niche thing, to just try to spread as much awareness about whatever you're doing. And again, that kind of relates to the open-mindedness to being like, okay, um, you know, you might not have an Instagram or a TikTok, but to say, okay, we need to try and start this. Even if, you know, you're not gaining millions of followers every day, which I think is unrealistic, but just to be able to have other outlets for people to find you and learn about what you're doing. Yeah, that makes sense. So we're starting to run a little low on time. As you're thinking about your goals and folks that you're talking to today, are there um, areas we didn't get a chance to cover yet that you want to really make sure you take a a moment to point people to? I think we did a really good job (laughs) of covering everything, honestly. I think my main thing is just, you know, just like I said, educate yourself on, on whatever you're interested in. Of course, if you're interested check out what um, I'm doing with Project Y. But yeah, I think we really covered everything. And thank you so much for having me on today again. I really appreciate it. Well, absolutely. I, I appreciate you taking the time and you know sharing the vulnerability to talk about what you're doing when you're kind of new at it, I think is really important for the whole sector as a whole. Uh, not mm-hmm. everybody uh, starts um, building nonprofit work while they're in high school and trying to figure out what to do next. And then to be willing to talk about it a little bit is a, a good learning experience for me, for other people I hope that are listening to um, be ready to do some more. I, I think contextualizing story in this kind context uh, really adds a lot of value because the, the words get thrown around in nonprofit communication circles all the time. But to, to hear how you're doing it, I think uh, hopefully can be inspirational to other folks to to really make that available and connect with things a little bit differently than just how do we have a story for our fundraising piece, you know, a little different from that. So um, thank you for doing that. Uh, Ariel Zapia is the CEO and founder of Project Y. We'll have that link in the show notes. Ariel, thanks again for your time today. Thank you so much. And thank everyone for listening. 